Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. This podcast episode is brought to you by Merck Research. MerckResearch.com, M-E-R-K. I read these reports on a regular basis and can say that I get a lot of value out of them. Merck Research is different from other research, which usually just cherry picks all positive or all negative charts and then falls into the trap of confirmation bias. Merck Research provides an intellectually consistent approach by going through a consistent set of relevant data and then putting it through a consistent set of frameworks, which is then summarized in a checklist and in a concise written summary. Their monthly economic and market data review provides an excellent overview of the macro landscape. It's all compiled in one place and easy to interpret chart books with written analysis. And now listeners of this podcast can take advantage of a special offer and get a three month free trial to Merck Research. Simply visit the website merckresearch.com forward slash contrarian. That's Merck spelled M-E-R-K. Or you can log on to merckresearch.com, sign up for a regular subscription, and enter the code contrarian at checkout to take advantage of this free offer. Now on to today's episode. I am here with Z Contrarian an individual who has the Twitter account, The Contrarian. And with a Twitter name like that, how can this individual not be on the Contrarian Investor podcast? He's literally named for it. So you are joining me today from sunny, hopefully sunny Mexico. That is correct. A little yeah. nicer than, than the weather on, in the Northeast. But, yeah. And you have here a, uh, a couple of things we, we want to talk about. One of which is you have a, an investment idea, a specific one that we can talk about later that I believe you have already just today even released to, to your clients, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about that, maybe we can just get into a little bit what your investment philosophy is and what your view is of the current markets. Okay. So we start by my investment philosophy because Unlike most people, what I do is I look for kind of situations that are illogical and illogical situation can come in any kind of industry. I'm not bound to one industry and my best investments in 2019, 2020 were technology. Some went 5X, some went 10X, you know, all can be tracked in Twitter. So I don't, uh, you know, if people want to see, but the thing is there's, Every, every period has its own kind of like illogical pricing for certain assets. I used to do a big career from trading VIX, which was before everybody discovered the VXX. We used to make bank there, and I was approached by a few hedge funds later on. That was a year or two years ago regarding doing different kind of things with the VIX. I'm not talking about like $500 million hedge funds, et cetera. 
So every era has its opportunity. And it's very important, I think, especially for someone that's thinking a contrarian way, not to be stuck in one industry, but, you know, be open to whatever comes out there. And if you, if you want, we can discuss a few of them, my very successful trades. And I'm going to also explain my reason on how I found those trades and why I decided to take those trades. Mm. And yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, let's, let's get into that maybe a little later. I'm curious mm -hmm. now what your view is of the markets. We had obviously a massive run up in tech shares, uh, which has just recently in the last week really uh, kind of reversed itself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, concerns about the, the rising bond yields um, are, are, is apparently what's behind a lot of this. So I, I'm curious where, where, what your view is of, of the bigger market picture right now. I think this year we're seeing a market we have not seen in our lives. We're seeing the rise of retail investors. And it seems like um, the market kind of, and, and I mean, if, if I'm going away from the, the, the very large caps, I mean, we're seeing the rise of ARC, you know, to we we're talking about now that they're around like a $60 billion, they're, they're managing around $60 billion. And by the way, this could be one of the things that take the market down because the market is so concentrated in, 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 a, in, in a few locations. And you're also seeing the rise of Twitter promoters. It's something that you've never seen before. And YouTube promoters that are actually moving stocks. And, and, and I think this is, this, this is crazy because... I, I, you try to look for the background of some of these guys and mm. seem like all of them started a year, year ago, you know, and right. if, if you, or less, and, yeah. <laughs> or less, and if you opened your account in the last six months and you got a few good names, yes, you could have done, you know, you, you were lucky, 10x, but what's, what, what's your, what's your PNL in the last eight years? How did you do in the, because all these guys, all they do is say, bye, 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 you know, and I, I kind of warned a lot about it that, while those guys, some of those guys went in at two dollars, and now that the price is ten dollars, and it went up to eight, down to eight dollars, they're saying, you know, it's it's a great opportunity. But a lot of those tech names are trading on multiples that would make Amazon in its heyday look like it's a cheap company, hmm. and Amazon, you know, never never took any profit or you know, hmm. so was trading only on sales. So I think it's it's crazy times. I think. Um, regarding bonds and I, th I think the inflation is measured incorrectly i think the way inflation is measured right now is incorrect in comparison to what you know my father had as inflation which you know used to be gas and etc right these things are less important you can see very very high inflation in house prices i mean the reason the stock markets are going up is you know because there's nothing else to do with the money so that's also some kind of inflation so I think that the market is at a very, very precarious place, especially taking into account the valuation that are irrelevant. You know, there's no such, the, like I, a lot of people that I speak with are telling me like, who cares about valuation? It's all right. about the story. Hmm. They're going, this company is going to be great in 2030. I mean, when you're buying all the space names, you know, you're not buying them because you believe they're going to make money in the next two years. You know, it's just a concept. And we're also seeing a rise in SPACs, which is a double-edged sword. And what do I mean by that? Is that on one hand, it's good because, you know, you get access to companies that before that you would not get access to. Usually companies used to come to the market when they already are 1 billion, 2 billion. And now you're actually getting access to get to companies, you know, on the ground. 
So you, one of, some of these companies are going to be the next Teslas, but you can also see a lot of frauds. And, mm-hmm. you know, I warned against it because, you know, Charlie Munger used to say, show me the incentive, I'll show you the result. And if mm-hmm. you gave me $200 million and I have to execute the deal, then more likely than not, I'm going to execute the deal. You know, you, you're not going to see too many people return those funds. So the more of those deals that are getting taken out from the market, you know, the less good deals that there are there for, to be taken. And people are paying huge multiples because all these retail traders have no fucking clue what they're buying. You know, they have this story that their influencer told them and they have a lot of cash and they're sitting at home. You know, we know that's kind of like cash saving and the population is around the all time high. Mm. So, so I think it's a dangerous time and mm. also opportunistic time. And, but I do not think the retail investor per se knows what he's doing. And, right. and I think if we look at GameStop, I, one of my most successful tweets was, you know, what happened from GameStop is you had these two billionaires, Shamat and Elon Musk, that kind of like, you know, became superheroes. You have 10 people on Reddit that made millions and you have around 5 million kids around the world that lost 90% of their money. Right. So, you know, that's, that's how I see things. All right. So what, what are the opportunities then? Sure. So what I currently look at is comp, like, obviously technology, everybody's in technology right now. You know, a stock comes out and if you didn't buy in the next, the last, you don't even have time to do your due diligence. If you didn't buy it in the next two days, you know, these kids found it, find it on Reddit or Twitter and they just, you know, make it spike. So in my opinion, there's a lot of uh, opportunity in biotechnology. And there's a lot of opportunities in other companies that were left behind, you know, that are going to, um, that are going to benefit from the great reopening that we're going to speak about soon, because there's two options or, you know, we're never going to reopen and, you know, all the stock market is going to be a lot lower than where it is now, or it's going to reopen and companies like the ones that we're going to speak of are, are going to go higher. And there's definitely room for technologies, but one has to ask himself at what valuations. And now there's no such thing as valuation. They're not even expensive. They don't have a price. You know, some of the brokers already are coming with buy price targets. I don't know. You know, let's see what happens. Hmm. So, so, so I think back to that, you know, I think, and if you want, we're going to talk about more about opportunities and, mm-hmm. and certain opportunities that I see. And this is also going to see how, to think in a contrarian way. And mm. I think whenever you want, we can also approach those, those opportunities where I see them. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, but first, I mean, this, all this talk about, you know, the valuations being out the window and name your price. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the late 90s, and this is eerily reminiscent of what we saw there, where the kind of narrative was the same. You know, the valuations don't matter. You're buying this for the potential you know, in 10 years, this is going to be a market leading company. Everyone's going to want pets.com. So yeah, I mean, is this a repeat of the late nineties? There's been a lot of talk about that. So I disagree with that. And I wrote, I had like a kind of like a very big tweet about it, but it was around like a year ago. Since then valuations have gone up substantially Mm -hmm. is that what we are seeing now is we're seeing a change in the world. Right. Before that, you know, in the nineties, it was an idea. Now you're seeing a change in the world. Now you're seeing automation that can back up that software. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're seeing those changes in the world rather than, well, before that, all of those companies or 95% of the companies were just good ideas. And five of those, 5% of those, you know, the Googles and the Apples went up to do, to do great. You know, we, we have to remember that 95% of those companies went bankrupt. 
I think now there's the world is changing in front of our eyes and we're seeing probably the the fastest and you know biggest change in history regarding adoption of technology mm. so I think some of these companies are going to do well but I think like all, all the ones that are like you know like half a billion one billion that are getting pushed on Twitter mm. they're, they're, they're not going to do very well and I think a lot of stats are not going to do very well because but, you know, once you issue the stack, you, you don't mind what it does in 10 years. And I think there, if, we, if we can go case by case, I would like to mention Nikola. You know, that's, okay. a, that's, a, that's a company that, you know, that had a drawing of a car. And, you know, right. that, that, that's all they had. That's what, what we discovered. And I warned people against it because you look at this guy and it just screams, you know, I, and I wrote about it before it went belly up. That, you know, these people, you see there's fraud there. You, there's nothing there. And another company, it's called uh, Triad which is kind of like, uh, I don't know if you heard the name, they kind of have this, um, this special software that kind of like facilitates a certain aspect in the shipping industry. Oh dear, okay. And, and it's, it's a very nice concept, but you know, once you back check the channels, you find out that you know, maybe five people are using that software mm. and, and that company is trading on ridiculous valuations. And you look at the background of the CEO and you find out he was scamming some other people in some other program. So this SPAC thing is allowing a lot of people to get into the stock market by the back, from the back door rather than be checked by the authorities. And so, you know, there, there, there's, there, there's no checks. And I think a lot, a lot, like you said, a lot of people, are, a lot of these companies are going to go belly up or are going to be down. I'm pretty sure that 80% of the SPACs are going to be down like 30 okay. to 40% in five years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this begs the question, I guess, what some of your favorite ideas might be on the long side? Like what kind of things are you looking for there? Okay. So first of all, I do believe the market is overvalued. I think a lot of people believe the market is overvalued, but all of us understand that this, you know, the, the reason that Bitcoin and all these assets are going down is because there's no alternative. What are you going to do with your money? Mm. And the money, the market is flushed with cash. The Fed cannot stop printing because it's not going to stop printing until it, we have like 4% unemployment and the US dollar. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are saying, wow, Bitcoin is getting so strong and the alternative coins are getting so strong. No, they're not getting strong. It's just the base, which is the fiat currency is being decimated. It's going to, it's getting print. Like, you know, there's, there's no tomorrow. There's these guys can print as much as they can. So it's not like, Sadly, people discovered Bitcoin that it has this amazing technology and we should buy it. It's just, what else can you hold? You can't mm. print Bitcoin. I'm not a big, I, 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 I have recommended to buy Bitcoin at 3,800. Okay. And I, and, I, and I still hold it. It's all on my feed. Um, I hope you remember your not, password. <laughs> yes, that, that's why I'm not, I, I, that's, well, I mean, like everybody in retrospect, you, you wish you had more, but it's not that I have too many of those. But I understand that the 3,600, if I lose my money, it's not so bad. At 50,000, yeah, can it go up? Yes, as long as you guys print money, you know, there's, there's no limit. There's Warren Buffett, and you know, it's pretty interesting because when you look into Warren Buffett history, one of the, his favorite phrases is, you know, when interest rates are zero and asset price can be priced anywhere, you know, any price, give me a price and it's worth it as mm. long as, you know, as long as money's worth zero. Mm. So... Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very tough times. And what, where I look for opportunities, I look for certain companies with catalysts. And if okay. you want, we can go to a couple of them right now. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so one of, one of my favorite companies that I've already done a couple of rounds with is a company called Automate Therapeutics. 
automated therapeutics. Now, mm -hmm. Automated therapeutics. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm no doctor. But I, as a contrarian, you don't have to be a mathematician and you don't have to be a doctor. You have to understand logic. And I think um, when, when you look at automated therapeutics, and the, the, the stock was trading around $15. And then you What's see the symbol? I can't find it. ODT. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if you go into that company, if you go into ODT and you look at the holdings, you're going to notice that this individual slash hedge fund, Kevin Tang, is the, C the manager of Tang Capital is holding 45% of the stock in his portfolio. That's like by far his largest holding, 45%. Now, yes, do I understand what this company does? Absolutely. If it, is it, do, do I understand the probability of it working? Yes. Does he understand better than me? Absolutely. So if we take a look at other therapeutics, which what they do is kind of like a pill instead of like, um, so instead of like going to the hospital and getting like poison into your veins to kill, to kill the cancer, they have a pill. And they have a kind of like a, they're going to have a review in around three, four months by the FDA, and it's going to or get approved or not. And this guy, Kevin Tank, uh, he has 20 years of hedge fund history. Excellent, shrewd guy. And besides the fact that he's a hedge fund manager, he kind of is the de facto manager of the company. He gets all the reports. He knows everything about the company. He knows better than the company. He's, he's the company. And when someone like him that has 20 years in the stock market and he's going all in, this, this, it, it, it has to be obvious to you that this is boom or bust. The moment you have 45% of your portfolio in a stock, you hold most of the stock, you can't get out. There's no way out for you. You're in, it's all in, you know? So... The moment someone like that, that I research his history, I research his deal, this is a very shrewd individual, is going all in, is putting a 20-year career into one stock, I don't believe the chances are 50-50. You know, hmm. I, I, it, it's just incomprehensible for me that okay. the chances are 50-50. So I understand the drug. Am I a doctor? No. I understand how it works. I, I wrote this thing before. And the logic here is, I understand the logic of the drug, and I see that someone is betting their career, 20 years career, on a single stock. Now, why would someone that is a multimillionaire, successful, would bet all his career on one stock unless he knows more than you right. and more than me? Okay, so, fair point. So this, this, is, this is one example. I want to give another example, which is a company called MediWound, which is a company that I recommended at $2 around a year ago, and it kind of like reached 200%, not recently, and now it's pulled back. Teacher MDWD. MDWD, okay. Yeah. So once again, as a contrarian, you look for stuff that is illogical. Now, when I found this company and I wrote it on Twitter when it was $2, I noticed that this company has this drug, which is very simple. All they do is they have this thing, like an enzyme from a pineapple, and you put it on injuries. Very simple. Even, you know, the stupidest person can I tell it. And what that does is it kind of helps the wound heal so mm. it can be fixed. The alternative for that is that you go to the doctor and he cuts down the wound and he cuts down your skin. Very, very bad alternative. Mm. What about band-aids? So, no, so what happens, let's say you got your hand burned mm. and it became like kind of stiff already, you have to cut it down because oh. your, your, your skin cannot heal until you cut down that dead area. I see. I, I'm talking like, you know, level two, level three wounds, 
stuff like okay, that. Okay, so not just like if you not just like a paper cut. Correct. Now, what happened? So the U.S. so Barda, which is a U.S. agency, loved the product. They they said, look, we love your product. This product is not FDA approved, by the way. Right. We want to get we want to buy your product. So we're going to sponsor you. Mind you, that we're talking about a, the time at a fifty million dollar company. We're going to sponsor you to the tune of hundred twenty million dollars. So you guys can get an FDA approval and that we can already, and they already started stocking on this medicine, you know, on this, on this drug or whatever you want to call it. And now this drug is waiting FDA approval. Right. Now, what is the logic that the FDA is going to tell the U.S. government, a, a, a U.S. government agency, you guys can buy it. But we're not going to, and you can use it on, on, on people if there's an emergency, but we're not going to approve it. You, you, you understand? I do. But I mean, you know, there has been, this wouldn't be the first time that there's like interagency kind of, uh, you know, tension or, or, or issues. Correct. Correct. And but what I would like I to it. add to what you're saying is, so this drug, in, it's already accepted all over the world. And okay. it has around 20 years of, you know, 20 years that's been using successfully around the world. So the, the, the last phase is the FDA approval. Right. And you already have the, uh, um, an FDA, you know, a government agency, BARDA, that's already put around $100 million into this, you know, into, develop, into getting this through approval. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of like this kind of things that kind of jump, jump to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, another, if you want to look at a contrarian idea that went up 7x in the last year, well, hold on. Before we do that, let me sure. let, let's just talk a little more, but more about this because, you know, these biopharm, these medical things. Uh, the good news is that they are not tied to the broader economy. So you know, interest rates go up, interest rates go down, unemployment, blah blah blah. These stocks kind of do their own thing. The bad news is that it is very much a bet on the approval process with you know the regulators, the FDA or, or whatever, and and that can be oftentimes a, a little arbitrary or. Certainly, something that, from what I've seen, and there's been a lot of hedge funds that have that have uh, started based, you know, and, and focused only on this strategy, and they hired all these doctors. Some of them were started by doctors, and some of them mm-hmm. did okay, but a lot of them found that they weren't able to kind of properly game out the the approval processes. But but you're not worried mm-hmm. about that with these two. So, so with these two, I'm not worried about that. With other biotech, I go out before the approval process. I see, I, you know, I, 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 I find, you know, the, the point where they're still like undervalued, I understand the story. Uh-huh. And then I, I write them to, towards around the approval process. Uh, so far, I think I, I didn't, I, I didn't have like one that I got wrong, but you know, sure. we'll see how that works. And I want to go now into technology and, you know, yeah, let's go to technology. Give, yeah. Let's go another example there. And mm-hmm. once again, my strategy does not involve mass. I don't do cash flow models into the future. And I, I kind of look at, Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't look into all these things because I believe that the stocks that are undervalued now are not understood by the market. And if there was a plausible cash flow model, et cetera, to the future and people couldn't discount it to now, the price would not be the price that I believe the price to be. So... If we look at an, a company that I was one of the first, I, I would like to look at two companies actually. Sure. The first one is Farfetch. Are, are you familiar with their Farfetch? No. Farfetch, what they do is and how do you spell uh, that? F A R. F A R. 
F E T C H. Oh, Farfetch. Yeah. Oh, Farfetch Limited. Sure. F T C H. Correct. Is the ticker. Yep. Yeah. So I recommended this stock around ten dollars. Nice. And and you know and and once again everything now for reference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was higher before, but uh, and once again you have to think in a contrarian way. And the thing is, yes, there's Amazon that, but who wants to sell? You know, and just to give a background or Farfetch, Farfetch is kind of like a platform that um, allows different kind of shops, et cetera, to sell on the platform their goods. At the start, when I started investing in this company, the big ones did not want to partner with us because they said, look, we want to sell our own merchandise. We don't want to give it to a third party to sell, to sell our merchandise. And what was very interesting about this company is that at the time that we were, I, I was looking at it, you know, it's it kind of like added an, you know, a, a brand like Off-White, which was a leading brand at the time and now got even bigger. And, and here you, you, you really have to have a contrarian head and not look into the cash flow because you hear all this noise that you look, what are you talking about? Amazon is going to destroy them. You know, the big boys are going to get into it, etc. But if I'm some kind of like, you know, rich millionaire or stuff like that, do I want to go on Amazon to buy, you know, my, my Gucci, my... Hmm you know, my Louis Vuitton, yeah, no. And do I want to go to Louis Vuitton to buy Louis Vuitton? Most of the people that go and buy this stuff, they want to see a variety, you know, like everybody else, you know, if you know exactly what you want and very few people know exactly which bag they want, sure, go to Louis Vuitton. But if not, you know, that's, that's going to be great. And one of, one of the main ways that I was, my thinking was when I pumped it, especially during COVID, was that yes, it's true they're not going to sell a lot of this high-end, you know, like kind of ticker items right now. But the exposure this platform is going to get by just people being at home and scrolling all this, you know, beautiful merchandise, it's going to create such an adoption level that once things do open up, when once people start buying again, they're going to be captive to the platform. Mm. And you know that this this has been going up ever since. I mean, as you can see, it's been going up very nicely, and it should continue because there's there, it's very hard to put a multiple on a monopoly in a certain field. Mm. And there, there, there's no once once you know it, it has achieved a certain mass. It's very hard for a competitor to come along and just say, "Hey guys, I have a nicer platform. You know, you've been using this for the last few years. You're used to use this." you know, move, move to the other platform. Yeah. So once again, it's not, if you looked at the numbers, the numbers did not look great. Mm-hmm. You know, the numbers did not look great. Um, but, but, but you have to extrapolate the logic and the logic is what you have to do as a contrarian, not just look at the numbers and the analysts. Cause you know, all the, what the analysts do is, you know, they put a, you look at what, what the price is and they put like a 20%, 30% above the price target. It's worthless. It's good to understand the story when you read the, when you read the analyst reports, but the price are completely worthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this stock has had a huge run up during COVID and the last year it's up 500%. And that's mm-hmm. even after the pullback. So would you, it's now at right at like around 63, 64, like I said, would you buy this pullback here? I, I'm hesitant because I, I don't think I'm like, you know, like I, I, and this is one of the things that I'm, I've been saying against is you have all these people that, you know, pump the stocks that have been up 600%, you know, even if this company goes down 30%, you know, it's still nothing in comparison to where we were yeah. just a year ago. Yeah. And I think that's the dangerous thing about all these young kids is that, you know, they, they, they've never seen a pullback. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if, you start, if you started trading in March, like most of these people did, 
And, you know, I can tell you off the record that I have some people that I work with that have big followers now on, 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 on Twitter and on YouTube. I mean, what the, you know, you see this thing on YouTube, these kids, they're clueless. And not some of these key kids, I thought about the stock market, you know, I was teaching about basic explanation, how it works. And now they have their own channels with uh, what's called Patreon that, you know, and, yeah. or uh, that, that, that you sign up. These kids are making bank yeah. for, you know, for, and, and, and I didn't even believe the amount of money you could make from, you know, knowing, not knowing anything and just peddling some stock that you heard from a friend. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? But it is remarkable. I mean, that's dude, good for them. I just feel yeah. bad for the people that follow them, <laughs> you know, because the, the correction is going to come. Right. Nothing goes on forever. Yeah. And the thing is, when you're on top, everything looks like it's never going to go down. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to go up because there's zero, you know, money is for free, et cetera. And it's going to come. And this mm-hmm. kids, they're not going to know what to go up because yeah. they don't know what the valuation is. Yeah. Because well, once the stock is down 50%, they're going to tell you the same thing that they're going to tell you now that the stock is 10%. It's like, don't worry. And this goes back to what you said before in the 90s that don't worry in 20 years, this is going to be the yeah, best exactly. thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So what would, do you have any idea of, I know you, it's, you say it's not worth talking about cash flows and anything like that, but in ter- just in terms of the stock price, what you would look at for an entry level here? So I would, yeah. So I would like to speak about the stock that, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've been buying, I just finished buying right fine, now. Fine, fine. And, okay, and, and I think, then, yeah. and, and I think it's a good buy at this price. It's a little bit, it's a little bit um, less liquid, but if, you know, I, I bought personally like around half a million dollars without moving the, without moving the price. So you can just sit there and, and, and get the price. And so the company I'm talking about is Hostile World. Hostile and World? Hostile World. You don't know that, but if you're going to ask a few younger people than me and you around the world, they're going to tell you, everybody knows Hostile World. The, it has a few tickers. Oh, there it is. Hostile World Globe. HSWLF is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the best one would be because it's raising in a few other places. I mean, yeah, I think the best way, the best place to buy it would be actually in London, which is HSW.L. Okay. And, and, and once again, I want to, I want to explain my contrarian thinking because sure. there, there, there's no better example for a contrarian investment than this stock. So when we're talking about hostile world, um, this is the dominant player in a very niche industry. And the niche industry is hostile. Mm. What happens with the big boys is, you know, it's harder to customize your platform when you're booking, when, you know, when you're Expedia to the smaller, to, to kind of cater everybody. You, you have a one-fit-all kind of platform. And what hostile world, which is a company that's been existing for quite a while, that is, it got quite a few captive, you know, it, it, it got a lot of the youth to go on it. And, and I personally, I, I didn't even know they had a stock. Sorry. I didn't know they have a stock until, um, until a week ago. I didn't know half the world had a stock. I didn't, I didn't know they were even publicly traded, which kind of shows you the importance to have a network of people that kind of feed you interesting ideas around you. Yeah. And, and half the world, they, they, they kind of came out and what they did is they came out and the company, the stock went out with the rest of the big boys with booking with Expedia. You know, if you look at the charts until 2018, the company was kind of trading around with them. It actually was like, kind of like was trading more like a hyper growth stock and like all those companies and all those opportunities, it had very bad management. You're talking about a company that needs to invest in technology that you know needs to invest in marketing and instead of that they're kind of giving away most of their profits to a dividend 
you know, and we're talking about the company that trades. At the time, it was trading, uh, you know, around 400 pence, so like around almost half a billion dollars. And, and then what happens is when you don't invest in technology and you don't invest in growth, you know, this thing, th things start going bad, especially now with, in the technology age. So if you look at the chart of hostile world, you know, it, it, it crashed around 80% since 2018, you know, since mid-2018 to where we are right now. Now, hostile world, I, I kind of uploaded uh, kind of like my summary on the stock uh, just today. And I think the stock is already up like 10%, but I think people should wait. And I think also funds can buy in. It's still, I think it's very cheap prices. And I think it's, you know, the current, the stock around now trains around, you know, around the, um, I think 110, 100. $20 million, and you're talking about a company that is a leader in a niche segment, very few of those. You're talking about a company that had a very strong cash flow. I mean, at the current price, if it recovers to where it was at the peak, which I believe- Wait, I thought you didn't care about cash flow. No. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Well, well, certain, well, certain stories I when it. I look at, yeah. So in this kind of story, I'm saying, okay, this is where we are now. But there's no reason for us to go back to where we were, you know, uh, two, two years ago. And I think one of the most, one of my favorite phrases as a contrarian is, you know, a, a contrarian does not just do the opposite of what other people do. Right. A contrarian looks what other people do. He analyzes the situation and he sees what, in his opinion, they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And then he looks if there's an opportunity there. Because I'll give you for an example, GameStop was is, is a great contrarian call because you know it's not going to stay at four hundred, you know, dollars. Nobody thinks it's going to stay at four hundred dollars. But can you take action in it? It's very complex. Shorting the stock costs a fortune. Mm. Let's say Elon Musk comes next and says, you know what? Just for the fun of it, because he likes to fuck around, I'm buying the stock, and you know it's at a thousand. So it's that that would, would be an example of a contrarian. Contrarian idea, that, uh, but it's very hard to capitalize on. In right. this instance, it's very easy to see why a company like Hostel World will go back to where it was before. And like every contrarian story, we have a new CEO mm -hmm. that comes from a reputable company, Expedia. We have a roadmap that the CEO laid forth. We have doubt because you always need doubt because if not, price would not be where it is. And you have a product, and in this case, is a product that I used before many times that I know is a good product, and, and, you, and you see that the opportunity is there. And for the company to do 400% in the next two years, it just had to go back to where it was a year and a half ago, to, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, and, mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying I just, about this company, Hostels. I'm looking at their website. They're based in Dublin. Yeah, I was just thinking about traveling. I mean, I haven't been in a hostel in a youth hostel, well, used to be called youth hostels since the 90s. And I was trying to remember how I booked them then. And I think I just called them up and, and like wherever it was, Barcelona or whatever, and, and, mm -hmm. and booked it that way. And, but these guys, obviously, it's like, a, it's like an Expedia for hostels here. Uh, correct. And not only that, they're the market leader. If you go, yeah. me, so, and the thing is, you know, Peter Lynch used to say, you know, sometimes when, when you walk around the world or you walk around the shopping mall, you find this amazing product. You know, he, I think he kind of gives example in one app on Wall Street. He kind of gives an example of how his wife was walking in the mall and she saw this great product and he ended up buying it. You know, the, he ended up buying 
part of the company and it used to be one of his best investments. And Hostel World for me is a great example because I live a nomadic life. It's the yeah. way I chose to live life. I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I'm a minimalist. And I, I, although I have the budget to stay at higher level hostel, I prefer to stay in hostel because it's just from the social aspects of it. Uh-huh. And currently living in Mexico, I'm seeing hostels around here and they're full. The hostels here are full. The youth is dying to go out and travel. Huh. It's not like the older generation that's saying, look, I'm afraid of COVID. So I'm going to wait until, you know, everybody has, you know, the vaccine or I have the vaccine. The youth doesn't give a fuck. The only reason the youth is staying at home right now is because they're forced to stay at home. But for example, places that are open like Mexico or, you know, like places like that, they're full. So, you know, the moment this people, this, this, this younger generation are allowed to travel, they're going to jump out and travel. They, they, they're not scared of anything. You know, mm. and also we, we all know that COVID is not almost not lethal to people under the age of 30, not to speak about, you know, the age of 20, you know, so it's not like, I think you have almost like the same chance of dying from a car accident than COVID if you're a healthy, young, you know, individual that's so, so, so we're talking about a few phases of analysis here. The macro picture is if I'm wrong, that means, you know, that in the next two years, COVID is taking over, there's a new variant and nobody travels then we're all fucked. Yeah. Then, then it doesn't matter. Well, then then we we're all fucked. Yeah. Then we have bigger problems. That's, that's not going to be a problem. The, the other thing they look at is price. 100 million to buy a market leader in a segment that grows 7% annually. Hmm. So, so that's also interesting. And the third thing is that I think the market is missing regarding this stock is we have all this work from home economy. And, and imagine you're currently living in New York. Would you not prefer to live in Bali and work from a you know, your own room at the hostel where you have some, you know, some interaction below and, you know, uh, and I've been to Bali. People, it's okay. Uh, I love, it's very nice, but I'm not sure I'd want to live there, but yeah. That, that's fair enough. But let's say you're a 25 year old individual okay, working that's for definitely. Google. Yeah. Exactly. So when, when, when a hostel world is targeting a very specific kind of no, people and we're talking about like, you know, the, the younger generation and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, I think what the market is missing is that the moment this people are going to be able to travel, because everybody that's young would love to travel, see the world. Very few people would tell you, look, give me the opportunity to work from wherever and I'll just stay in Chicago. Mm. Some will do it, but most will decide to travel. And I personally get to meet a lot of those people. Yeah. You know, and, I, and we're talking about people that are making fifty to $100,000 to $200,000. And they, they want to stay in hostel because they want to meet the pretty girls. They want to interact. And that's the place, that's the place to be. And mm-hmm. what's the market is also missing is that there's a lot of these new hostels uh, coming to the market. I spoke with one of the hedge funds that's kind of like holding the stock and, and they were not even aware of that because they're not down on the ground like I am. And all this, there, there's a lot of new hostels that are like higher level hostels for people like me, where you can yeah. book a room for a hundred dollars. Huh. You can go and interact with, you know, like the younger crowd that's like around 20 years old, 22, whatever. They have the hostel dorms. They're paying, 10 to $15, you're paying around 60 to $100. You have your own room. The rooms are already custom made so you can work from them. There's workspaces in the hostel. So what's gonna happen is that this product is gonna get, a, the, the revenue per customer is gonna be a lot higher because the demographic of people that change at hostel change. More people, uh-huh. not like me because I'm a bit more affluent, but you're talking about people that are making 50 to $100,000 rather than people that are trying to save one or $2 on switching switching hostels you know 
Yeah. And you meet people who are like in their 30s and 40s at these hostels? 100%. And and I'm not talking about people that are trying to save money. I'm talking about people that socialize. I can tell you that I've like just like recently I've been traveling with another guy that they met that's an investment banker. You know, he makes around $2 million a year and and, and he he stays at hostels because, you know, he wants to meet chicks. He wants to go surfing. He does not Uh want to get stuck in his room in the hotel. Uh So... So the shift to a social aspect that hostels offer yeah. is huge. So when I look at this stock, I'm not, I don't think we're going to go back to where we were. That's just stage one. Yeah. I think that this is going to go a lot higher because, first of all, you have a new CEO that does not believe in giving dividends. I mean, who the fuck gives dividends you know, on, on, on a growth company? And you have so many synergies. And this guy that came from Expedia, and he understands that there's other synergies besides just selling a room, you know, to kind yeah. of like capitalize on, on, on this opportunity. So, so this yeah. is my favorite take, take right now. Very cool. I, yeah. And this is kind of like my thesis. Now, is, are there any, do any hostels have uh, built in co-working spaces? Because that could be. Oh, uh-huh. every new, every second new hostel that's being built right now is being built with a co-working space. Nice. Or co-working area. Very like, cool. There's actually a there's there's actually a chain of hostels called Selena. Selena I don't know if you heard about Selena, it. like the pops. Okay. Yeah. So this company started was started like 15 years ago by like four Israelis that stay at the hostel, and what they do is they understood what I'm, the, the the shift in the traveling that I'm telling you right now around five six years ago, and they started building these kind of places that offer this kind of opportunities. And this, we're talking about the people that started with one hostel around 15 years ago and now are raising money based on a $2 billion valuation. And just on what I told you, because yeah. and all their hostels share the same kind of um, share the same kind of logic, which is social, social mm-hmm. and yeah. higher level clientele. Yeah. So this change is coming. And if COVID does not evolve to something that's where not seeing right now, or, and, and like you said before, if, if, if that happens, you know, where, where the, the stocks go is the least of our problems. Yeah, yeah. Th- then this is a 400% opportunity and there's a long, long runway. So th- cool. this is how I come to kind of like look and think about the opportunity. I start from a, a company that's been, I, I usually, when I look at contrarian ideas, I look at a certain change that's happened in the company. Cause if a company is down 80% and nothing changed, what, where's the interest? What happened? Mm-hmm. Why should why should I buy it? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I start by looking at you know at the certain change in the company. Then I start looking at the macro if it's if I find it interesting. Very cool. Yeah. And by the way, I was just looking here on their website. You know, did you know you probably do know this that you can get a, a hostel in Tulum for five dollars a night. Yeah. That's less than I was paying in the nineties. Chilean yeah, hostel yeah. five dollars and eighty one cents a night. Yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, give me something to think about. Anyway, I want to take a quick break and come back and ask you some more questions about yourself, about your lifestyle, and about your investment process. Let's so let's just take a real quick break and come back. If you are um, a premium subscriber and you're listening, don't go anywhere because you're not going to get a break. And to become a premium subscriber and take advantage of that offer, where you also get a daily podcast first thing in the morning, right when I wake up, I'll record this and send this out to you, out to you guys. You can go to the website, contrarian.supercast.tech, T-E-C-H, and sign up. 
You are listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and other platforms where podcasts are found. Subscribe and supply an honest rating. We are on social media. Search for Contrarian Investor Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on LinkedIn as well. Go to linkedin.com forward slash contrarian podcast. We want to hear from our listeners. Email your thoughts to feedback at contrarianpod.com. A repository of all podcast episodes and materials is available on our website, contrarianpod.com. Now, back to the program. Here's Mr. Baker. I need to tell you about Merck Research. MerckResearch.com, M-E-R-K. I read these reports on a regular basis and can absolutely recommend them. Uh, Their research is different. They do not cherry pick positive or negative charts, nor do they fall into the trap of confirmation bias. They have an intellectually consistent approach. They grew through a consistent set of relevant data, put them through the same consistent set of frameworks, and then summarize the whole thing in a checklist with a concise written summary. And now listeners of this podcast can take advantage of a special offer, which is a three-month free trial to Merck Research. Simply visit the website MerckResearch.com, sign up for one of the subscriptions, and enter the code CONTRARIAN at checkout to take advantage of this limited offer. That's MerckResearch.com, M-E-R-K. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the segment of the show where we get to know our guests a little bit better, ask him um, a little bit more about his uh, personal life. Not too intimate, of course, but just how he got to this stage of his career. So tell me about yeah, how, how you started and how you got to where you find yourself now. Okay, so um, I'm originally from Israel. I did not have a money to go and study in the States, but I was always, always interested in the stock market. And then I figured out that you can actually go to the States on a soccer scholarship. So huh. a, I went to a, on a soccer scholarship and I studied in the university in New York. And after I finished university, I went, I started working on wall street. It was around 2007. And I, my first job was in a structured credit. I used to work for a special division of uh, Fitch Ratings, which at the time structured credit used to be, you know, where you want to be. Hmm. Uh, retroactively, a mistake because I got an offer from SAC and I said, you know, now this, this guys are offering me more money. I'm, I, I'm not going to, because, you know, SAC at the time told me, look, come, put your head down. We're going to teach you for two years and then let's see what happens. And I'm like, fuck that shit, you know. I'm a superstar, you know, I came from a top college, you know, let me, uh, put me as a trader right away or there's nothing to talk about. So I ended up, with, I, I said, well, you know, obviously I left that offer and I started working for Derivative Fitch, which used to kind of like structure finance with CDOs, et cetera. Uh, things went downhill fast. And I think had the kind of like, I, I, I watched from the top how the world came down and I remember the chaos that we had in our offices, you know, nobody really knew what's happening because, you know, one day you give a triple A um, rating to a CDO and, you know, one week later you downgrade it, which is basically means you just said the US is okay and one week later it's not okay because I know people don't remember that, but triple A pretty much oh, I means... Remember. <laughs> so triple A means safe as the US government, that's pretty much what people it should, thought. Yeah. It should, exactly. Should being the, the main word here. 
So I worked at there. I worked at Fitch. Then I moved to work at a hedge fund, Excess Capital. Mm-hmm. It's a hedge fund managed by Adam Sander. He used to yeah. be like a, used to work for Stevie Cohen. Yeah, I know him. I actually I interviewed him a couple. Times. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He's quite a character, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was also involved with the art world, from what I recall. Yeah, I knew some people oh, worked yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I interviewed him several times. Yeah. Yes, in in the, in the office we used to have, I think, art worth around. 50 yeah. million dollars and stuff yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've been to that office, yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, 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 I, I don't know if you got to see the Jesus picture of, you know, like peeing on the, no. G- sorry, peeing on the cross. No. It's, I, you do, I, I'm, thank God I do not have to make money from art because I do not understand that. Right. So well, in, the, in, in, in the office, we had like this one picture that had like shown like this, you know, someone peeing on the cross and, <laughs> and I, I don't understand what the fuck, you know, okay. So used to work there. And after that, a, I moved to Israel to a kind of like a financial consulting firm to companies and uh, very, very, very big companies. Um, from there, I got an opportunity to manage a big portfolio in Australia. Mm. And I moved to Australia. For me, finance was always an opportunity to travel and see the world rather to to see if I can get to the, the most amount of money I can get to. Mm. So um, I moved to Australia. I managed a portfolio there. And, you know, I, I noticed that I'm really good at picking stocks. And I, and at that point, I said, look, I, I saved enough to start investing my own money. And my goal is not to be the richest person in the world, but rather, you know, to, to be the happiest person I can be in the world. Uh-huh. So I started investing my own portfolio. And I'm one of the first people that brought the VIX trades to the financial community. Huh. I, I think me and another colleague of mine, we are one of the first few that discovered this, you know, contango and all, you know, uh-huh. all that stuff that happened in the VIX. And I think over time, this was even maybe almost as good as an investment as Bitcoin because, mm. you know, we're talking about like thousands of percentages gains and and this is where i started kind of like looking in a contrarian and um in a contrarian view because everybody knows that you buy vol you know mm-hmm. and, and uh, back then in the days it was you know volatility is something that you buy you do not sell vol mm-hmm. and you know we used to short vol in, in different ways and nobody nobody was in on the trade and i remember like two or three years after we got on the trade you saw this one hedge fund that bought around 40 million dollar puts on uvxy which yeah. is one of those yeah structured instruments and there was a lot of money made there yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that that being said there will always be a lot of money to be made there short vxx right always if you have but to. you have to do it correctly and you have to do it in a certain way and i think my exposure to the vix allowed me to kind of avoid a lot of market crashes i warned people on twitter on february i think it was february 17th and one of the biggest contrarian indicators on the vix is when the VIX front future go beyond the VIX second future, because how the VIX is structured is that you have the index, let's say the index is trading at 20, and you have the first future, usually the trades around 22, and then you have the second future, the trades around 24. There, there's some kind of like what's called contango that, you know, the further out of the money futures are, are higher than the, 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 the ones in the front of the curve. So, so um, I, what happened is, and this is actually very interesting, I think it would be very interesting to most people is, before every explosion that happened in history since the VIX existed, 
the VIX first goes into contact, into backwardation. Okay. And this is a moment that you have to sit, reduce risk, and analyze why it's happening. Because eight out of 10 times, it's going to be false, false indication. Uh-huh. But two times, the market's going to be down 40, 50%, 30, you know, you know, when you go back and you analyze it, and I did not, you know, I, I was a long time advocate of that something's going on, but I keep getting being wrong. You know, I keep buying VIX, I keep buying VIX calls and nothing goes, you know, I, and the VIX stays, you're talking about like things exploding in China and the VIX at 14 and I'm buying, I'm, I'm continuing to amass this weekly, VIX weekly calls and I continue to lose like 1% of my portfolio every week and a half, you know, because nothing is happening. And at a certain point, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe, maybe this is nothing because, you know, and I get all this kind of like hate, not hate, but kind of like, you're an idiot, you don't understand, money printing, you know, it doesn't matter, this virus is contained, Trump is telling you there's it's nothing. And, and unfortunately, when this thing exploded, although I warned everybody to get out, I did not make any money from it. I did, you know, all, I, I ended up losing 3% of my portfolio just preparing for this event, which I eventually gave up on just, I think, a week and a half before things exploded. But I ended up saving a lot of people and myself a lot of money, but just keeping them away and then getting them back into the market once things exploded into stocks that um, that makes sense. If we spoke about Farfetch, if we spoke about, uh, you know, I, I can give quite a few other op- opportunities, Ring Central, Avaya, kind of thing that I said, look, it doesn't matter, um, Peloton, doesn't matter what the world's going to be, these companies, you know, re- if you see we're going to remo- work remotely 10 years from now, these companies should do well. Did I know that th- some of these companies like um, apps, APPS, et cetera, are going to be like, going to go like 700, 500, 200%? I had no clue. Yeah. It's going to be a, all these people that told you, I knew that's going to happen. I said, I have no clue. I thought it's going to happen in five years, what we, we're seeing now happening, you know, mm. what we saw happening in six months, to be honest. Crazy. So what's the VIX doing now? And what, is it in Contango now? So right now, the VIX is not interesting right now because okay. you, you have two things that are happening. First of all, you have the money printing, which kind yeah. of like says, look, Whatever happens, we're gonna, it's going to be okay. And or if it's not going to be okay, you know, it's it's not going to be the, the world is going to end. But you're going to have enough money. Yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, you have the virus that kind of like beats it up. So there, there, there's no interesting place at the VIX. The VIX now is around. I don't know what is today, but it should be around 24, 23, yeah, so, where it's yeah. been for the past few months. Which which makes sense because you have kind of a balance of powers. On one hand, you have the printing of the money. On the other hand, you have the virus that you still don't know what's going to go on. Mm. So there's no big opportunities there. Like, okay. so how do you find opportunities? We logic. talked about a bit before. Okay, so okay, so yeah, how we find opp- okay, so it's, let's let's get more into the micro of how I find opportunities, and that is. First of all, I have a big network of people that give me ideas. In, they're all kind of good in their respective fields, and I do share it on Twitter. I like to look at insider trading. Yeah. And that being said, this is just phase one. Mm-hmm. Phase one of my analysis. It's not me because a lot of people bought the stock. I'm going to buy it as well. Yeah, yeah. So but just it, to clarify, it, we're not talking about insider. We're talking about insider purchases and sales. Like it, it, Correct. Yeah. Insider purchases. Insider trading is illegal, uh, but, but yeah, I know what you're correct. saying. Like, yeah, okay. yeah, 100%. Insider purchases. Um, I have, because of my the Twitter following, I also have access to companies and CEOs that I've kind of like, you know, interact with. And, and, and basically, I think the most important thing in trading is to build a network of people that you know brought you winners before. Huh. Not someone that's, you know, say, hey, check this name out, 
you know, someone that you know that has a that has a background yeah. that when he because there's so much noise in the market, especially now, yeah. so much noise, you know, and 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 a good trader know understand that 95% of what's happening in the market is noise. Right. You know, and and a good trader is able to create this network. I think Twitter is a great tool now. Mm. I think podcasts such as the one that you have is a great tool, you know, mm-hmm. to find ideas that other people did a lot of work and they're bringing it to you and you know that these people have a you know have a track record because mm-hmm. you know the problem as we, we said before the problem is that people without track record are bring you ideas because they were right about three ideas you know and I, I can tell you i got this idea I, it's so funny because until this month i got like quite a few ideas of and these ideas went up 30 percent two or three days after i got them hmm. And, you know, the guys, oh, you know, you should have bought it. I told you, blah, blah, blah. And now that the stocks are down 40%, you know, they're down 20% from where I was, you know, they're down around 50%. I'm asking, so what's happening? Oh, no, you don't understand. Don't worry. It's going to be down. In 2030, people understand that this is the future and, you know, we're going to go to Mars and this is where you should invest. Hmm. All right. So is there anything that you don't touch? Like, um, and you said you're a generalist, you go everywhere, but is there anything that where if somebody gave you an idea, you'd be like, no way? So um, I don't, I usually don't like to go into companies that everybody is in, yeah. that there's a certain consensus in them. Although, you know, I have a lot of friends that it works well for them. For me, it, it's not my style. And, you know, I see that when I take these kind of tips, then, you know, then I find this trades, you know, like one month later down 30%. And, mm. and are they cheap? Absolutely not. Are they going to be cheap if they fall 50%? No. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think the most important thing in, in, in being a good trader and developing as a trader is to build your style because only, you know, you know, only, you know, how much pain you can take, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the stock is down, the, the, I, I can tell you that all of my friends that recommended buying the stock 30% up, sold it today, 20% down. Why? But if you knew what you're holding, it doesn't matter. You should buy more, mm-hmm. you know, but because this and this guru told you to do that. Um, my life philosophy also, you know, I got quite a few. And if we go a little bit about my life philosophy, yeah. it's I really practice uh, minimalism. Mm. And I think life is the only game that you decide when you win. Mm. And it seems like people are not aware of that because you're you have to you, you're the one who decides when you have enough. And mm. I think if 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 I will tell if you think there is a difference between having four million dollars and 40 million dollars yes there's a different but you know like it's not gonna make you a lot more happier Mm. and you have to ask yourself like what are you giving in return for you know doing that and if you're happy with what you're giving in return it's great Mm. and i got you know approached with a lot of people that have a a, kind of my my some one of my circles a very wealthy circle and i see those people don't understand that you you only win when you quit Mm. As long as you're playing the game, you're not winning, you know, That's right. That's right. and the games continue, you know, it's a, first of all, it was 10 million. Now it's a 50 million. Now it's a hundred million. Mm-hmm. And now it's a billion because, you know, your friend has this new yacht and you need it as well. So I think it's very important also in life and, you know, also in trading and you have to structure your trading strategy accordingly that, you know, that you, you shouldn't, I, I see a lot of these people risk on high growth stock, mm-hmm. you know, like, GME, this is a very bad extreme, but let's take it anyways. You risk 50% of your money and, you know, in every investment, you have to ask yourself, look, if I lose 50% of my money here, how much would it hurt versus how much would have more happy would I be if I make another 50%? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I think this is, this has come from my vision. All right. And I wonder then when it comes to that, like, where would you put your money to produce income? It sounds like you're trading. I mean, oh, trading. no, I actually, my, I, I, some of my, so first of all, I love BDCs. Okay. Business yeah. development sure. companies. Um, I uploaded a, a post about it. I can actually send you a list about a couple of BDCs that they like. Some of them have gone up substantially, but I think BDCs are great. I think you can get nine, you know, and most of them pay you around 9%. And once we understand that the US government, so just like a general talk about BDCs, BDCs, what is, it's like kind of like of sort hedge funds that give money to mid-market companies. Now, if we take into account that we know that the government is bailing this, you know, everybody that's kind of going belly up, and we know this that this this company the, the company that this that this BDCs are giving loans to are first of all they're kind of like backed by the government because the government's not going to let you know let 200 to 500 million dollars businesses fall and they give you some equity exposure because they, they're going to go back to their all-time highs once things are resolved and not only that this this BDCs are managed by extremely smart people that have done this before. And this is another very important thing when you choose income kind of producing avenues is I look for BDCs that are managed or have been managed during the crisis of, you know, of 2007, 2008, by the same people that are managed now, which means these guys have the playbook. They, yeah. They've been there before. They understand this can happen a few years. They know how to manage risk and they know how to use opportunities. And I think... I do love BDCs. I did recommend BDCs. They did very well. I think I recommend them around two months ago because I think um, I own some of the BDCs as well. You know, like, um, and I, also some of the BDCs, I like to see that the insiders have a big, you know, big skin in the game. If I, one of the main things for me to look, you know, in most stocks, what I look for in stocks that I'm happy with is skin in the game. Mm. And especially in those BDCs, you, you see them trading at a discount and you see them at the ninth, nine, let's say, if we take, for example, just I'll just give you one of the, the ticker that's one of my favorites, which is GBDC. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about like a BDC that gives you around 9% and you have, you know, it's kind of like a family owned BDC and they're buying at the market all the time. This, this thing falls, they buy. This thing doesn't fall, they buy. So you know, this gives me great confidence that you know that I'm not missing something. You know that I'm see, I'm not missing something because I see the insiders are supporting my thesis that this is a, a cheap place to put your money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Anything more liquid? That's always I, I one think, of the issues now. That yeah. When, when you say, well, I think the, when, when you say liquid, in, in what kind of, are you talking about? Like what market cap? Oh, I, I was thinking more. Or, like or bonds? You're talking about yeah, bonds? Yeah, I'm talking about anything. I, no, and no, nothing. no, no. Okay. I, I, I don't find bonds to be, you know, that attractive yet. I, I like the equity exposure of the GBDC, you know, the mm-hmm, BDCs. Mm-hmm. What which about I, like I, savings and stuff? Like where would where would does one go with that? Bitcoin. That's why. Oh. it's that's where it's going. There's nothing else. Where, where are you going to put it? In the bank. I guess. You can buy I mean, apartments. At least it's FDIC insured. I mean, Bitcoin. Yeah. Is not, yeah. You know, look, I, look I, I'll, I'll tell you the thing. You know, like it's. I, I bought a couple of houses in the U.S. not too long ago. Um, I think like around, it was around, the, it was before the pandemic started and they're up 20%. Yeah, well, housing now, in the US has been doing great. Yeah. And I, I don't plan to sell. It doesn't matter if anything goes up 50% because I, I want it for income, you know, and some of these apartments I bought with 12, 13% yield. So, you know, if, if you go away from the main areas, 
and you collect this place, there's a lot of opportunities in yeah. houses in the States, especially if you can leverage it up with, you know, whatever, 3% interest rates, you know, that you're yeah. going to pay. Or then less, I think of, I saw some of these. Yeah, you can yeah. yeah. And, you know, then people come and, yeah. and then the Fed tells you there's no inflation, you know, <laughs> oh, obviously there's no inflation, you know, whatever. Who cares about house prices? Who, who has to buy a house? Who has to pay rent? There's obviously no inflation, right. you know. But no, but oil prices are down, so don't worry about that. There's right, no right, inflation. Right. Yeah. So, All right, so we have here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. So as, as I said, I think real estate, I think it's in mm -hmm. the US. If you go and I, I think it's a great opportunity still, mm -hmm. although it's gone up just because the interest rates are so low, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Right, and, yeah. Mm. All right. So you have, so you uh, grew up in Israel. You lived in, in the US. Actually, before we get anything else, what's your favorite soccer team? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a fan of Barcelona. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah, in, in, in England, I, I like in, in England. Well, uh, being Manchester United, but ah, you know, okay. I, 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 I left. I I, <laughs> I, I, I left that behind. But I, I, I spent the last four years living in eight countries. Right. Um, what I did is I moved to Panama to become a Panamanian citizen. Okay. Because in my great country of Panama, you don't have to pay capital gain tax. There's no capital gain tax, so you know. So I moved to Panama, and ever since I've been um, moving around the world, and I go with my intuition. I think I, I know you didn't like it so much, but my favorite place is Bali, Berlin. You no, know, I like that. I just don't want to know if I want to live there, but yeah, yeah. So, so I, th I think the beautiful thing about this world is, and what you have now, especially. I mean, I, you don't have to be rich, but you have to have a certain amount of income. That sure. if you can move around, you know, why do the you know the winter in New York, when you can do the winter in Bali and the summer in New York, yeah. and this is what's going to happen now, you know, especially with yeah. remote work, you're going to see once this thing is solved, and this goes back to the theme of, you know, hostels a little bit less, but also the hostels that, you know, so you're going to see like people just move around all the time. Yeah. I already have, you know, I have quite a few friends that are like, and, you know, in the, in, in the top echelon of Square and other companies that they, they, they used to live in New York, you know, and they said, no, well, they moved to Miami and they're, you know, yeah. they're paying half the price for double the house, you know, and, 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 you know, the company, like many tech companies already told their workers, that's it. You never have to come back to the office. Yeah. Maybe once a year, we're going to do some convention. And I think that kind of economy has not still been, um, and I think that's where the investment also opportunities right now mm -hmm. in, for that kind of people are still underestimating how many people are going to start oh. moving around once, once they can, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's kind of a contrarian view because a lot of people are saying, well, you know, offices are going to come back and, you know, all these banks and stuff, they need people in there, the trading floor, blah, blah, blah. And I, I know of a couple of companies, one of which I used to work for, which is kind of pretty big on, on getting people to come back, but then mm -hmm. others that, that aren't. But so that is a little contrarian because, yeah, can't speak well for New York City real estate, I can tell you that much. But yeah, I, I can tell you from my own experience, because I have quite a few friends that are CEO and kind of like mid, mid market, I'm talking like, like 200 to $500 million companies. And they told me, look, you know, the moment this rent is gone and the business model is going to be, yes, we have a home office. It's going to be a lot smaller. Mm. You know, we're going to have, we can have rotation. You know, you can come once a week, you can come twice a week. You don't, you know, also for us, it's better because we don't have to keep, you know, all this office space. Are, we, are, are there going to be offices? Absolutely. absolutely. Um, are there, are they going to, have 100% capacity of the workers like before? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, is the traveling sales traveling person gonna go again and travel? No. And this is why I think hotels are a problem because hotels, you know, part of when, when I was studying the hostels, 
you know, the hotels, which have friends that own a few hotels. Like, for example, my friend owns a chain of hotels in Berlin. He told me they're still at 10% capacity, wow. you know, so, so business, business travel is going to get hit and it's not yeah. going to come back. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, we're going to work like from, you know, w- warm chairs. Yeah. So, okay. So you had, so Israel, so pa- how, how hard was it to be, was it to become a citizen of Panama? Is it just, you just move assets in and that's it? Uh, hey, <laughs> hey where's yeah. the law? It's, it's one of the easiest things I did in my life. You know, it's, and you know, all these countries are just, and the funny, the interesting thing about Panama is just, you have to go there, you know, once every year, once every two right. years, say hi, you know, so, so, there, so these structures are going to be very favorable, I think, mm. going forward, because, you know, why, why pay taxes if you can avoid them legally? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, okay, so Israel, U.S., Mexico, Panama, Australia, Bali. What, what are your favorite? What's your favorite place? Does it depend on the season or? Uh, my favorite. My, my favorite. Well, I, right now, I think you know. If, if you, you ask me, where is a good investments? I think some American. If you're American, you should go and check Mexico. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm currently, you know, Tulum is that. Tulum is you don't. It's not where you want to go, but you have other beautiful places where you can buy. You know, I, I'm right now in the place that's you know, it's called the Puerto Escondido, which is a place that not many other people. It's already starting to happen, but you know, you're buying like around on the beach and mm-hmm. per square meter like around a hundred dollars, and that's prime location. Wow. You know, so where, where else can you get that? You know, so yeah, wow. so I think all these places are, are, are going to boom after because just like with software, people, Americans that, you know, went to Mexico and say, wow, it's actually a good life for cheap. Yeah. Why have we been just traveling here? Maybe we should come and move and live here, yeah. especially if I don't have to go to an office. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the Mexican economy is going to be interesting. I, I do like Mexico and Bali for the weather and the and the. And, and the price, you get a lot of value for very little money. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's very it's, it's probably the best places right now during COVID. Mm-hmm. In Portugal, if you, you and you know your wife want to go travel, it's one of the most beautiful places. You can and, also you know, I, I, move in there pretty for yeah. citizenship. And, and then you have EU citizenship, yeah. 100%. And you know, one of the, my, I think my best contrarian calls, and I, 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 I said that, you know, in 2020, I had, Two very my two best contrarian calls in 2020 were get out of the market in February and say develop go travel because I, I I as I said I've been traveling for around four years and you know in Asia and in other in Portugal places like that you could you go to a certain site you know you, you would have ten thousand Chinese ten thousand people traveling in groups and stuff like that this is the last opportunity you're going to have in your life to see the world not crowded. Because yeah. I think three years from now, the moment it opens, it's over. The moment people are going to get, you know, comfortable with COVID, which is going to have to happen. doesn't matter if it's going to be solved or not. It's going to have to happen. You're going to get comfortable with it. And then it's over. Yeah. You get once again going to wait in line to take a photo next to this beautiful tree, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. So... Yeah. Yeah. Having done some of that travel, I can say that I, yeah, I don't want any part of that. It's already got, it was all pre-pandemic. It was kind of getting there already. I mean, if you ever, oh, no, no. I, I think it was there. It was, it's what's yeah. the over, you know, you start to see cities asked for people to stop coming. It's you know, it became oh, I know. unbearable. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think they, this is your like last laws against selfie sticks in Thailand and stuff like, Oh really? And <laughs> yeah. Phuket. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. Anyway. hundred percent. Well, all right, cool. All right, so this is great. So thanks so much for uh, coming on the Contrarian Investor Podcast. I want to. You touched on this. I want to read this as a. This is what you have. Um, 
Yeah, maybe, actually, maybe in, in conclusion, you can tell us, let me read this first. This is on your Twitter sure. account, Z Contrarian, Z-E Contrarian 7. What's the meaning behind the number seven there? Anything or is it just? So the Z, I think the Z Contrarian was taken and uh -huh. seven used to be my soccer number. So I just uh -huh. wanted to add it. So, you know. Okay, cool. So it makes yep. you a bit of a midfield, kind of a midfielder, huh? Yeah. Trying yeah. to, you know, trying to strategize and run the less I can, you know, let yeah. the other ones run. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, you, you have your, your pinned tweet. It says, being a contrarian does not mean to do the opposite of what others are doing. An intelligent contrarian has to know what others are doing, know why they are doing it, know what's wrong with what they are doing, and then figure out if there is an appropriate action to be taken. So I like that a lot. Um, and I think that kind of summarizes everything that you've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so other than the, the Twitter, um, where else can people find out uh, anything about you? If there isn't anything. I, I, I like to keep it on Twitter sure. and I'm happy. I, I think I've been very blissful. I think, you know, I, I my returns over the past nine years were beyond logical. And, you know, one has to understand that life, you could be smart, but if you're not lucky at the same time, then forget about it. Mm. You know, so my, my returns have been great and I'm more than happy to share my views on Twitter and give back for what I got from the universe. Just give Very it back cool. to people that need it. And, you know, I get a lot of heartwarming messages that, you know, how I changed the family and that, mm. you know, I got like recently a message that sounds to me, look, thanks to your pics, I can send my daughter to, you know, to university. Mm. So, you know, this... This is my monetary reward. Very cool. Very cool. All right, then. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you all for watching or listening. And we look forward to speaking to you all again next time. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.